Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Bear Cave Studios for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast Sold Out. With me, your host, Freddie Loso, with my co-host, the Reverend himself, Jason Todd. I do believe this episode will also feature barbed wire everywhere except hard cam. All right. All right. I like it. And with our other co-host on the road, the encyclopedia himself, Blackbeard. And gentlemen, let's be honest. There's been a few shit show matches this week. Let's not forget the 24-7 title is defended in the middle of a six-man tag match. Really? Jesus. But the good news is, Next week, Dan Housen, Betty Nice, Betty Evil, next XCW champion, Ricky Stocks, gonna lose the belt. Can't wait. Hey, give fans what they want. They lo- and they love that Dan Housen. I, I, know, I know I usually complain about the ridiculousness, but I don't know why Dan Housen, every time he comes out, I just get this huge smile on my face. I get such a kick out of him. I don't get his stick. Like, I know, I know people love him. I just, I don't get it. Freddie, don't say that too loud. He might put a curse on you. Right. <laughs> it's true. Hey, quick question for you guys. Um, in terms of uh, more, more, more vicious rivalry, who do you have? Paul Heyman versus Handcuff Key, or Ty Conti versus Padlock Key? We don't want to give too much away for tonight's episode, Jason. We're just saying, just asking, just asking the questions. So we'll, we'll tease it for you guys. We teased it last week. Our top five rivalries of the 90s. That might have to wait for a newer episode, Jay. For fair enough, fair enough. The, the fair 2000s, enough. the 2020s, may it be. But um, where do you guys want to start tonight? You guys want to start with AEW or you guys want to start with WWE tonight? I am a little slow, and I want to ask what Jason meant by that, but I'm afraid that this show's going to go over about three hours if I ask. <laughs> oh, wait, no we'll come to it later anyway. Right, it's a possibility. Okay, <laughs> oh, and let us not forget the Devil's Advocate has joined us, Robert Fain. Hey! Welcome uh, back! Are we recording? Yes, we are. Yeah. We are live, sir. I wish, some, wish somebody would have told me that. Okay, how's everybody doing? <laughs> we are good. Um, well, good thing for you, I'm always prepared. Um, today, we have, in wrestling, we have uh, two important, one birthday and one death. Uh, Bob Orton was born today in 1929, and we all know who Bob Orton is, right? He's a grandfather of Randy Orton. And we had the death of um, Lord Alfred Hayes in hmm. 2005. And we all know the history of Lord Alfred Hayes, especially uh, you younger guys uh, who saw him as the uh, announcer on TV, kind of, you know, uh, played the fool at times. But what you don't realize, he was a successful wrestler and manager as well in the AWA for a long period of time in Florida. So, um, very influential man. Nice. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. 
Very good. Yes, good reference. <laughs> he he definitely showed up. Uh, I spent the weekend, you know, so hot up here in the Northeast. Uh, spent the weekend watching some of uh, A A and E biographies, and he definitely popped up along the way in the Bret Hart one and the Roddy Piper. So uh, nice little reference there, Rob. All right, so um, let's start off with WWE tonight. Um, I hope everybody has their. Go ahead. We got to get Rob's opinion. We we gave our opinions. Rob, what's your opinion on Danhausen? Yes. Um, I don't know why I like him, but I do. Okay. I'm not. I can't put my I can't put my finger on it. Um, he was off. I often read about him and, and couldn't figure out what the deal was. And then I started seeing him. And the first time I saw him, I just started laughing. And I'm like, I don't know what it is about this guy. <laughs> he, he may be the worst wrestler on the planet, but I think he's hysterical. And then when, and then he and Hook going back and forth, I thought those were great. Did, did you see him in the ring first or in the backstage? Backstage. I never yep. saw him wrestle before. So I don't know what it is about him. It's just um, he can get away with it. Nice. All right, so we started teasing it. We teased it last week. Top five rivalries of the 90s. That'll close out the show. But um, I hope everybody's got their coffee, a Red Bull, because we know Jason's list. It's a top five, but the Reverend will come with at least... No caveats this week. 10 to 15? No, nothing. I only got five. Five. Oh man, is this a first? No, no qualifiers. No, no. No honorable mentions. No honorable mentions. One list, five. Holy five shit! Entries. Be prepared, everybody. It's coming. So let, let's start it off. Um, WWE. Um, one of our topics tonight has the Judgment Day stable failed? Has it fallen flat on his face? As of right now, it's Judgment Day versus the Mysterios. They're continuing to tease Edge on the comeback. They're teasing the Dominic Mysterio heel turn. Um, what do you guys think of this? Do you think it's it's it needs Edge in it to succeed? Do they need a, a higher profile rival than the Mysterios? Or is it just WWE's Retribution 2.0 just started out hot and then fell flat? I'm not sure they ever started out hot because they really never got started, in my opinion. And then, you know, you read online that Edge didn't want to be part of the team, so they threw him out. I mean, wouldn't that have been the angle to set up? Because to me, Damian Priest and Finn Balor are not leaders. They're not strong. No. Um, they're missing some. They're missing some. Um, I don't know. Whatever Edge has, they don't have it. They they don't have that. There's no leader there. They're missing um, some gravitas that that mm-hmm. they just don't. They're missing it. It's not there. So when they come out and and they're you know talking and stuff, I'm like, who are these two guys? Like they they don't they don't do anything for me. And then for them to go after Dominic Mysterio, oh my god! I mean, even worse. I mean, who cares? Right. He's not, you know, I mean, I don't, I, I, and then, you know, they're not on TV every week, so they're not, they're not even being 
shown as a as a uh, a feature a presence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they're not doing anything. They're not winning anything. They're not. What are they going for? What's what's the story? So I I think they're just floating around. You know, purposelessness or pur- you know, no without purpose. Um, they're not going after the tag belts. They're not doing anything. I mean, that's I think the problem overall with WWE is what is everybody doing? Right. right. If you're not going after the tag belts, you're not going after the world belt. There, there's no nothing else happening. So I, I think they're a complete failure. I think they should just drop it and let them go go back to their singles careers. All right, Reverend, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like they never really got a good start either. Or well, they got a start, but then that whole thing of flipping them around and turning heel on heel edge which is still weird to me um it it made no sense when it happened the only thing i could think of from it was that oh they're going to do something with rhea ripley but rhea ripley is out right now and it seems like so whenever and without her they really didn't know what to do with that with that um, faction and now they're not really even a faction just a couple of guys. Uh, I don't know. It's it it they they don't seem to trust Finn Balor to do anything big, and it's a shame that one injury sustained in a match, and it was an unfortunate injury sustained in that um, Universal Championship match. Um, it feels like they've just lost all the faith in him because he deserves better. I agree. All right, Encyclopedia, what do you think? I don't think the group's in Retribution 2.0 category yet. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, Rob brought up what are they really fighting for, but honestly, I feel like you could say that about just about the majority of what's going on on both rosters. WWE suffering from their champions, really. Their world champion is never on TV. You know, we've complained about that quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, the, the Intercontinental title still gets some play. The U.S. titles, like, eh. But I, I just feel like both shows across the board, I'm watching, and I'm like, I'm not I'm not engaged. I think they're, both of them had some chips that fell. And until some of the, you know, t- some of those chips are back in place, they're just kind of, you know, skating along as best they can. I see potential. I think Finn Balor proved when he was in the Bullet Club and over in Japan that he could be a top player and a leader. But I think Jason also brought it up. They've been very hit or miss with Finn Balor as a top star. It's been, let's give him a, you know, they've tried to give him a chance, but I don't think they've really got any faith in him. I think it really showed when they had him come out as the demon, face Roman Reigns, back themselves into a corner and the solution was oh we're going to have the turnbuckle just break and Finn's going to lose to Roman and they never really explained what happened there right I don't think he's ever I think I don't think he ever truly recovered Do I think they like him but I think they're afraid to pull the trigger on him but that that's a that's a problem across the board as far as a feud with Edge maybe that will help kickstart it I'm not sure why it's taken them so long to get there but uh, the other thing we've seen these vignettes 
with Edge the last, well, we believe it's Edge for the last several weeks. And I think to myself, yeah, these videos are really cool. Why are we wasting this on a guy that doesn't need them? Why don't we put this into building new talent? They are so afraid to pull the trigger on moving people up. The only one they seem to be making any effort in in WWE is Theory. And Riddle. I'd add Riddle to that. But, but Rid- I, I get Riddle's going back to jobber status for a while. I don't think he beats Seth Rollins in SummerSlam, but we'll save that for next week when we do our picks. I would I would disagree with Riddle. It's start and stop with him. They're really not fully committed to him. Exactly. What I read I mean, was they said um, Riddle's time isn't yet. They're pushing theory, and Riddle's time will come. It's coming, but I guess they want to wait till. I guess they get the belts off Roman or Cody gets back. I'm not sure what they're. What they're planning. Do you think they're eventually going to have him turn on Randy? Like he and Randy feud and he beats Randy and that puts him in that upper echelon? I would think so. I think that's the the ideal spot to put him in. It's the natural storyline, which I think they were going for until Randy got hurt. Well, and the other thing, I feel like they, they're afraid to let Riddle completely be himself because he's still referencing Randy left and right. He very rarely uses his own moves. He's always using the RKO and Randy's, you know, the DDT off the ropes. Right. And I'm, I like Riddle. I know he's not for everybody, but I really like the guy. But at the same time, I'm saying to myself, okay, are you going to keep this whole thing with him pretending to be Randy for, like, another six months? Because Randy's rumored that he might not even be back until next year, if at all. Right, but they've, you know, they've been doing that with, uh, with Dolph Ziggler for how long? Yeah. Pretended to be Shawn Michaels for ninety-five percent of his career. Hmm. I I don't know that that's necessarily WWE booking. I think that's partially that's the character he wants to play. <laughs> but also, then what does that say? Because Dolph Ziggler, another guy who they'll only have go but so far, and if if that's the case, then we're saying that's as far as Riddle goes. He's not going to break through, so to speak. I guess time will tell on that one. Once, uh, once Randy comes back, and see where that goes. There, there, we could probably have an entire episode devoted to people, to superstars they have, who they just will not let go unleashed. You know this. Yeah, the start-stop effect. Yeah. All right, so we had a nice reference to WCW this week on NXT. We had Cora Jade throwing away the NXT Tag Team Championships. Is this a tip to Medusa? Is this WWE completely throwing away the women's tag division and doing away with it? Or is this just an angle and it's just going to be one consolidated women's tag division across the board defended on NXT, Raw, and SmackDown? You know, I don't really understand this whole thing. Um, Cora Jade had that whole underdog thing going. People adored her. Mm -hmm. And 
for some reason they had her come out you know she's dressed differently she looks like mandy 2.0 and they already have a mandy and she's doing it better um the other thing is she totally could not deliver that promo she didn't she was she was too fast she didn't wait for a reaction like she was trying to say very important words but she was saying them without giving it the necessary pauses so it seemed like it was a a speech you know a, a memorized speech rather than uh her true beliefs and like i said we already have a mandy so i don't really see what the point of her doing this like where is this going other than having a feud with her friend? So I, I just couldn't understand it. And then I watched the promo and I was like, well, this promo stinks. Like, she can't deliver it. She, it it's not her. Right. You know? So She's reading like, a script. She was way better when she was, you know, the skateboard kid. You know, she. I believe that. I don't believe this at all. I think this is a, a real a real big misstep. Um, And, you know, throwing the belt away was just, you know, I, I thought about that. I was like, oh, wow, look, they, you know. Medusa did that. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, Medusa was a name. Core Jade's not a name. Right. And it, and it is the NXT Tag Team Championships, you know, so it is their minor league. So who cares? Yeah. So to me, it, it, it didn't land. It's true. Reverend? Yeah, to, to piggyback on that, you know, the big difference there is Medusa showed up on another company's programming and dropped their the WWF belt in the trash. That meant something. Um, just going, like, if she'd just done it on Raw, that wouldn't have meant anything. That would have, that would have just been a story of, like, oh, she's mad at somebody or something. She doesn't care about the title. Whatever. It doesn't have that impact. So, I'll kind of move through past the technicality of that promo, which wasn't very good at all, because I think we talked about this last week, at least the way I see 2.0 is their workshop and stuff on the fly. So I expect to see a lot of rough things like that happen. But what I will say is that it felt like, as opposed to watching a character on TV, I was watching somebody play a character. And, you know, this was happening on Raw, I think, if everybody remembers a while, but they had, like, Ray Ripley giving out promos, and she was clearly reading cue cards off in the corner, and it seemed like every single person was giving the same type of interview, and that was on their two big shows. Um, So I'm not surprised to see that on NXT. I, I can only hope anybody else takes that show over sooner than later, because... It's it's kind of rough to watch, man. Um, I don't know if Cora Jade can be believable as a heel. I thought that was too soon to do. She hadn't done anything yet as that skateboarder, you know, the punk chick. That if she hadn't done anything yet, so to turn her, it didn't feel like it meant anything except to say, "Oh, we're giving you a new character." Oh, but for the record, then say it's tag team wrestling, so. <laughs> Encyclopedia. I guess he has no feelings about Cora Jade. <laughs> All right, so let's let's jump into our next spot. Um, AW. 
What is your guys' feelings of AEW at the moment? Rob? Go ahead, Reverend. It's three years old. I don't have any real feelings for it yet. I mean, it's still novel. It's still novel. That's that's what I mean. It's still novel, and it's still rough. Um, and I think over the last few months, in certain ways, they've lowered my expectations in some So I, I know that you there's always a chance you're going to get two folk, two guys in a ring two girls in a ring and they're going to go and it's going to be entertaining and that's all I expect out of the show um, the thing that did surprise me was especially with this last week was this um, scourge of overbooking their main events that's very um, 90s late 90s WWF-ish and, and WCW-ish and early 2000s WCW-ish it, it's not I don't know. It's a little, or a late '90s WCW. It's a little disconcerting. I, I think they might be getting away from their actual strength. I feel like they've been getting away from their their actual strength for. It's been, I would say, the last couple of months. They've been overbooking spot fests, putting the belts on guys who. You know, it's because they're on the board or they're back in creative. We've got that on the topics here, so we'll we'll get to that in a bit. But I feel like the novelty's wearing off. Um, they they claimed that they were going to be different and they were going to be game changers. And I mean, we're getting recycled storylines from WWE at points, um, recycled stuff from WCW. Uh, we're getting Jericho out there every week when they claim to be pushing their own guys, and then we get WWE castaways, NXT castaways. On top of that, um, I just I don't know. I'm I'm losing my faith in AEW. I I, I hoped I wouldn't. I had high hopes, but you know, your your hottest guy in the game the top wrestler in your promotion, you benched him. He's sitting on the sidelines and you don't even make mention to him on your programming. You take him out of all your all your video packages, everything. And where's he at? He was the hottest thing they had and now he's not even there. What do you got, Devil's Advocate? Um, I think it's a one step up, two step back. Um, I think um, they really need to figure out the Ring of Honor thing as quickly as possible because the lines are blurred. There's too many people running around with championship belts. Um, you know, like Claudio Castagnoli's going to wrestle Grissom this weekend. And if he beats him, is he a Ring of Honor guy? Is he an AEW guy? They really need to separate these shows and and kind of define who the rosters are because i think once that's done that will kind of help figure out who belongs where and if they're on separate shows the roster gets cut down significantly and now you've got two different shows to watch um i think they need to stop pushing chris jericho immediately 
I don't understand how Eddie Kingston did not win that match. Um, it seems, I mean, even I realized there was interference and all that, but still, I mean, at some point, um, it was, I, I felt like Eddie Kingston's like Mick Foley in a way where after a while, Mick Foley was losing all the big matches. And after a while, how do you root for someone who can't win the big one? At some point, there's got to be a payoff, right? So Eddie Kingston should have won. This was his kind of match. Like if you wanted Jericho to beat him in a straight up wrestling match, I could have been okay with that because you could have come back and Jericho could have been said, said like, look, I'm the better wrestler. And then Eddie Kingston could have back and said, yeah, but I'm a better fighter. And then he put him in a barbed wire match and Eddie Kingston kicks his ass. And you would expect that. Right. And then, you know, they could have a blow off match and Eddie Kingston would win. I mean, what's the point? The, the, the good guy's got to win at some point. Right. Otherwise, you who cares? The, the bad guys always win. What's the point of watching? Um, the other thing I think is confusing is I don't really know if they know where they're going sometimes. Like. We had um, Brody King and uh, the House of Black, and are they still feuding with um, uh, what? What do you call it? Um, the Bastard and all them. But now it looks like oh, they're Death fighting Triangle, with yeah. right. But now they're fighting with Sting. But now we've got Miro coming out. So is Miro going to team up with um, Sting and Darby? You know, for six man matches. Like I, I don't think they know. I think there, it's, there's a lot of. Con- Fusion going around. I think there's way too many people on the roster. I think there's way too much going on that you can't keep track of it all. And I think Tony Khan, I think he's the kind of guy, like, if he hears a good idea, he runs with it and doesn't really figure out how it fits into the overall scheme of things. So while you're getting... I wanted to ask you that. Guys, tell me this. Alright, so a lot of times it feels like they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And that seemed evident with the Brody King stuff um having him win the battle royal having him have that main event match having him in a feud with darby allen which feels like it should be a feud allen and and malachi black but i don't know i I usually expect the front the front man for the for for the group to have that main feud going on but yeah I, i guess what i mean is does it feel to you guys like they're just experimenting and they really don't know what they have? Well, and they're just I mean, saying, the one hey, thing let's I'll, mix it up. I mean, the one thing I'll say is you get a lot of great matches, right? But the problem is, what do these matches mean in the grand scheme of things? Right. So I'll, I'll always be interested because I'll get great matches, but I'm what I'm hoping for is some type of booking. It's true. Encyclopedia, what do you, what do you think of the state of AEW at the moment? Uh, same, same as what I said with WWE. I think that a lot of the chips have fallen temporarily, and they're just trying to skate on by until they all come back. Uh, I think Punk's injury, um, Adam Cole's injury, has not helped the matter. I think those were two big corner pieces to some of the major storylines they had going on right now, and they just haven't figured out how to how to go about things in hopes that they'll be returning sooner than later. I don't. I'm not. This goes across both brands. I don't feel like they're putting on anything that's keeping me engaged. Um, as Rob said, you're getting good matches, but you know what? AEW is putting on 15, 20 minute good matches to great matches every week. But can we can't honestly? There's none that I've got really wanted to go back and watch over and over again. It's, uh, I could probably count on my hand how many in the last three years, which is a 
terrible, but it's because I just feel like all their matches are spot fests and they all mesh together after a while. Um, I mean, we don't know how long until Punk gets back, so I feel like the world title situation is kind of skating along. They, we, we don't have a number one contender for that for John Moxley right now, and I think it's because they're hoping that Punk will be back by All Out. So how long are you going to wait on that? You know, right? Uh, we got TNT champion Wardlow, who was I don't think I remember even seeing him on the t- show this week, which I thought was odd. Um, we had MJF, who was like the hottest thing going when he cut that promo six, seven weeks ago. We haven't even heard from him since. And I get that, for realism's sake, they want to keep, you know, making it look like kayfabe, maybe. But at some point, it's like, how long? Yeah, how long is too long? Right. Yeah, I feel. I feel like we're there already. Yeah, and I feel like he's lost all his steam at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that I mean, something? The the maybe their hottest feud because I'm thinking. Of, you know, that's how you remember some of the better matches, this sort of feud or that storyline. And the hottest feud they had going on involved two people who they don't mention on TV right now. I wonder if they're waiting for Punk to come back so that MJF could interfere in a match between him and Moxley to unify the titles. But again, how long are you going to wait on that? At least MJF you could have put in this position to face Moxley let's say it all out in the event that Punk's not available, you at least set that up. Let's say you have MJF go over as interim champion. Now when Punk comes back, you got, you can reignite that feud. Mm. Here's the interim champion, but Punk can say, yeah, but you didn't beat the real champion and you didn't win that feud we had. I came out on top. And then there's also, I heard, um, I guess, Road Dog did an interview and he kind of went in on AEW's booking of Wardlow, where this guy's supposed to be your monster, and then he's taking 18 minutes to beat your joke guy in Orange Cassidy. His words, not mine. Um, to beat your joke guy, and then you, you lose that credibility of him being the monster and squashing people. And you give him a belt that really, really doesn't mean anything. It should have been the belt that he gets is is the world title. But the world title picture is kind of clogged up at the moment. Do you guys agree with with Road Dog, or or not? I, I see Rob shaking his head. Well, I th- I think Wardlow only has a couple of moves in his arsenal. Mm-hmm. So in order for him to become a world champion, you got to have him have a few more moves. And Orange Cassidy has wrestled and beat Chris Jericho, so he's not a joke. Right. And we all know he can wrestle, so I think that was good. I think I think if you keep having Wardlow squash everyone, what's the point? It's Goldberg. At some point, he's got to show his wrestling chops, right? At some point, you got to he's got to evolve into something else other than power bombs. Mm-hmm. So Orange Cassidy's a kind of opponent that you would expect to give him trouble because he's faster and he's, you know, maybe a little smarter. I don't have a problem with that at all. I thought that was an interesting matchup, and I thought I thought Wardlow should win, um, but I don't think it should be a squash. I think Orange Cassidy's proven he's he can go the distance with anybody. Right. So I completely disagree with that. Um, I think the other thing I wanted to bring up is I think AEW is waiting for Kenny Omega in the worst way. They really want that Omega and the Bucks versus Adam Cole and our and uh, Red Dragon feud in the worst way. I think that's how they're going to introduce the trios titles. Yep. Mm-hmm. And 
everybody's kind of in a holding pattern until, like Anthony said, until all these injuries um, bring themselves back. They didn't really, they have no contingency plans. You know, like, you know, they got guys fooling around, like Hangman Page is doing nothing. Former champion should be doing something. Right. They, they just, they, there's too many guys. They got to, they got to get this Ring of Honor thing settled. They got to get whoever's going to Ring of Honor over to that show. And then they can start figuring out what they want to do because the roster will be cut down significantly. I don't know why they just don't turn Rampage into Ring of Honor. I think that would be the easiest thing to do. They don't need another hour of, of AEW. And I think they could do a pretty tight Ring of Honor show. And it could be on Friday night at 10 o'clock when, you know, the ratings don't matter. You know what I mean? If they get ratings, great. If they don't, it's just another show. I don't know. You could put it on YouTube with Dark. Well, I mean, look, if you already got the, the, the slot open, right, for Rampage. So put yeah. it there. They, they don't get great ratings there anyway. What's the difference? You know what? For Ring of Honor, the Rampage ratings would actually be an improvement. That's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It wouldn't hurt. What's the difference? Nobody's really watching it anyway, so I mean, maybe they will. That, that you, you move Claudio and Samoa Joe and a few guys like that over, maybe they will. What I mean, about I moving? Will. I love Claudio and I love Samoa Joe, so I'd probably I'd, I'd tape it and watch it at some point. What about moving the guy Colt Cabana? What do you What do you guys think of that? And Tony Khan's. Uh, lack of response to that whole situation. Did somebody ask that? I missed that story. Did somebody ask about that and he didn't talk about it? He, yeah, today he was asked on a conference call. He mentioned Cole Cabana was going to be part of Ring of Honor and they said, does that have anything to do with the relationship with CM Punk? And he basically declined to comment, which as you should, it's on his business. I want to say that Tony Khan, maybe he's smart enough to keep the speculation going. Maybe there really isn't any issue. He just knows Cole Cabana really doesn't have a place in AEW right now, storyline-wise, so let's move him there. But he might... I would hope that he was smart enough to think, well, if I don't say anything and I say no comment, people are going to speculate, which keeps interest. But I just don't think he's that smart. <laughs> yeah. <I don't> think <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think he's that smart either. Yeah. I don't All know. Right. So I think silence is golden in that in that instance though. It's better he didn't say anything. Yeah. I mean at this point I don't think I don't think there is any issue between Cabana and Punk. I just don't think they're friends anymore. I think it's over. So I, I don't think there's anything to talk about. You know, and I think Cole Cabana would be great at Ring of Honor. If Ring of Honor is gonna be like your developmental, that's the guy you want. He's a great wrestler. He can teach the young guys a lot. And he still has a name. He's tied to the original Ring of Honor. So, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with that. He's not doing anything in AEW. I mean, he's been a complete failure in AEW. So. All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to bring up before we get to our top five rivalries of the 1990s? I would like to talk about uh, Ric Flair for a minute, if that's okay. Yes. Did anybody see the video? Ugh. Why, oh, why do we need an angle for his final match? And why, oh, why did we need Ric Flair to blade like and bleed like a stuck pig? Can anybody explain this to me? Because it's Ric Flair? But, I mean, but it's isn't isn't his quote-unquote, I'm going to say quote-unquote, 
quote unquote final match because I don't believe that for a minute. Right. Shouldn't that be enough of an angle? I mean, isn't that enough? Why do we have to have? And, I, and look, I have no problem with being a tag match. And Andrade makes sense. It's his, you know, son-in-law. Son-in-law. And right. Jeff Jarrett's a friend of his. And you know, Jay Lethal is, uh, you know, often imitated Ric Flair. So I don't have any problem like the match the way it's set up. But then to have this whole you know, angle set up and then, you know, Flair saying like Charlotte might come out and beat up Jeff Jarrett and stuff and I'm like, why would she, if I was Charlotte, I wouldn't go anywhere near anywhere this near shit this match. show. <laughs> and if I was Vince, I would tell her, you no 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 no, you're not no. going near that. I I can't control Jeff Jarrett, but you are not gonna be anywhere near this thing. <laughs> right. This is gonna be a shit show if I ever seen one. I I, I don't know. And now I all understand Flair's hurt. Right, he hurt his foot or something. I mean, come on, dude. Step away. Let it go. It's over. It ended a while ago. <laughs> wait, wait. How, how did he hurt his foot? Walking? <laughs> I think he got out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This is sad. This oh, is man. just sad. Every time. I mean, first of all, the feud should be just against, I don't know, the Grim Reaper, I guess, because that's the only... If anybody's going over in that match, it's probably him. Um, the real loser it, in this thing it, is it, anyone who buys the paper who buys this pay per view. Oh yeah, I mean shame on Jay Lethal. Shame on Jay Lethal. I, I think that needs to be said. Just don't don't drag that old man out there like that and encourage him to hurt himself. Nobody wants to. Who wants to see that? And a lot, of, you know what? Though a bunch of people are going to buy it. Just like a bunch of people bow, and when Vince McMahon struts on out to the steam music on SmackDown, you know, after a new uh, freaking uh, charge is brought up or whatever, eh, somebody's always going to buy it. And that's it's like sad. when you slow down for a car accident, right? You have to stop and look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rubbernecking yeah, at its finest. Nobody's right. No, nobody's watching this to watch him wrestle well. Nobody's buying this to watch him wrestle well. They're all you know, taking bets on, oh, how far into the match is he going to get? You know, here's the other thing too. I mean, Flair was arguably the best promo man ever, and the first promo for this this was full of curses. And I was just like, you know, Flair never needed to rely on like that kind of language to to get his point across. Like, I I was just like, this is not not good. And then now I'm, you know, I see this video and I start watching. It. I just started laughing. I'm like, they're beating up that poor old man. <laughs> like, and for some reason he feels like he has to cut himself open yet again. Like, I I just I don't know. I wish somebody in his in his life cared for him enough to tell him to stop doing this. I think they do, but he just doesn't care. It's I think it's so much him living and breathing Ric Flair, the gimmick, and he just can't let it go. It's become. You think he him. wants to die in the ring? Yes. You think he 100%. would be happy if he died in the ring? I think so. I don't, but actually you. Br- you bring up an interesting point. I actually wonder if all these people are 
getting involved in this thing, helping him promote it, like Conrad, uh, Charlotte's supposed to be there, Southern Moe's in the match. I wonder if this is all their way of trying to be there to protect him from going too far. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah, I think that, I think they, they missed a huge opportunity here. Instead of making this Ric Flair and Andrade El Idolo, cause, and let's be honest, who really gives a fuck about that guy? I don't care how big he thinks he is and how great he thinks he is in AEW. Nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm. And, and he's faced, you know, Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal's another one I... Like, who cares? They should have they should have called Mickey Rourke and done Ric Flair versus Randy the Ram. And both of them could croak to end the match. Oh, uh, wow. Hilarious. I think before the match, they should do the 10 bell salute just in case. <laughs> <laughs> they should get those videos filmed ahead of time. So if he drops dead, they can just go right to, you know, right to the tribune, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> they should set those all up ahead of time. Oh, man. You know what, though? You asked that question. I don't think it's that he wants to die in the ring. I think he's just that sure that he won't. And that's a dangerous level of arrogance at, at that age. And I maybe maybe you are right. All those people around him are really there because they know they can't stop him from doing this. And they're just trying to mitigate the worst possible disaster happening from happening. And I don't know. I don't think I'm going to watch it. I don't think I can watch it. Oh, I'll, I'll, if I can find it, I'll watch it, but I'm certainly not paying what? for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, I can't, I can't. I'm not encouraging Flair to come back in his 80s, you know? Right. Yeah, if I'm you not... all saw the Kayfabe News article, uh, Flair announces 30 City last match tour, you know, that's that's not too detached from reality right now. Oh. I'm actually trying to see how much they're charging for this thing out of curiosity because I just checked Ring of Honor they're charging 40 bucks for, which I don't think you're going to get too many people paying that much. I think that's a lot. Um, I'm going to get... Like, wait, before before you find it, let's... Freddie, guess how much? Uh, I'll say 45. Reverend? 69.99. I'm going to say 29.99. Well, Robbie is the closest. It's it's thirty four ninety nine. But if you want it with a commemorative plaque and all the access to Starcast, it that will run you. I just had it here. Where the hell is it? I lost it. Maybe that's a good thing. Um, the Starcast, uh, Ric Flair's last match bundle with the commemorative plaque is two hundred dollars. Jesus. You could also get you could also get Starcast five. So all. All of that with the roast of Ric Flair for seventy, or you could get the roast of Ric Flair for seventeen. I think the only thing that might be worth the money is the roast of Ric Flair for seventeen. Right? Yeah. Jeez. Roast? But, I mean, like the impending cremation? What are they talking about? <laughs> wow. For ninety nine ninety nine, you get for ninety nine ninety nine, you get to bust Flair open. Yeah. <laughs> you get a commemorative razor blade with his own blood on it. I tell you, you you should see a lot of the events going on that weekend. They're charging. Let me go through this. These are all going. Okay, Starcast Five with the last match and the roast. That's a flat one hundred. And then you got and check this out. They're charging seventy dollars for each of these. The Major Wrestling Figure Podcast Live, 
The Sessions with Renee Paquette featuring Brian Danielson. One Last Ride for the Horseman. 30 Years Later with Brett the Hitman Hart at the SummerSlam 92 celebration, which I read they're actually doing this at uh, some theater attached to Wembley Stadium. Um, but that's to just, I think that's just to get like a seat and to get to meet him, I think, because I heard that that event's actually free if you go in person. Um, Insight with Chris Van Vliet featuring Claudio Castagnoli. Holy as pod. Soraya turning the page. Click this with Kevin Nash. What's next with Johnny Gargano? The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Each one of those, they're charging $70 just for the stream. Who the fuck is going to pay $70 for a single one of those? The only way you I'm paying... I'll pay Soraya 70 bucks, but, but she's going to have to work for it. <laughs> oh, man. And, you know, for 20 bucks, you can get Sunny, uh, uh, you know, half and half. So There you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I'm just, and I'm looking at some of this other stuff. I'm like seeing, I'm seeing indie wrestling shows going for like, 10 to 15 bucks on here and I just I, I, is there really a market for a lot of this? I don't think so. <laughs> the flare thing is just what did you say it's a roast and is what it's and there's one match that's it? No no no. It's the ro- you could get the you get the roast. You could do the roast and the last roast of who? And start, it's the roast of Rick Flair. Oh okay. Hasn't that been done already on every every wrestling site in the world? <laughs> He does it. He does it to himself on his own podcast half the time. Are you kidding me? He makes himself look stupid. He's ro- he, people. He gives us. He gives us the father to roast him. They shouldn't even have him show up. They should just play clips of stupid things he says on his podcast and then roast whatever for what he says. The last match card. There's like an entire card for the show. I'm just flabbergasted by this. But at what? Well, point? I mean, they're trying to give you something for your money, I guess. Right. Is, at, at, is there any any notable matches on there? Uh, I, if you want me to run through the card, I can. But um, well, just if there's anybody that worth watching, huh? I'm just there, curious. You don't have to go through the whole thing. There's actually some names. Some, I guess you could say indie, indie names here. I'll, I'll, I'll run through the card really quick as it, as it stands. Um, first off, there's a bunkhouse battle royal, um, and some of the names featured in there that we've heard of: Brian Myers, Bully Ray, Crimson, Crowbar, James Storm. Um, there's a few others. Sin Bodhi, I believe, was... Wasn't he... Oh, he was Kazarni. Remember him? Um, Brief, briefly. I'll, I'll, I'll skip through some of these because we don't know all these people. Um, Killing, Killer Cross is facing Davey Boy Smith Jr. Uh, the Von Ericks are facing the Briscoes. The Wolves are facing Motor City Machine Guns. Oh geez, they're tr- they're trying to set a record for people that croak on a pay per view. The Rock and Roll Express, Jesus, are facing they're are another facing one. Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson, who are being dubbed as the Four Horsemen. I guess because Arn owns the trademark. I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, Nick Wayne, Alan Angels, and Kosuke Takashita in the Four Corners match. Uh, we got Ray Phoenix. Um, Bandito, Laredo Kid, and Taurus in a four-way match. So we're getting two of those. Uh, three-way match for the Impact Knockouts Women's Championship. Jordan Grace, Deanna Perrazzo, and Rachel Lethering. Uh Impact World Championship, Josh Alexander versus Jacob Fatu. So you know Freddie's going to order this now. 
Oos. And then we got, and then we know. And then we know the tag match. So I mean, they're giving you a card. I just don't think it's for forty. It's it's not a bad it's not a bad undercard. Honestly, there's some decent matches on there. Yeah. Just um, thirty five. You know. I guess it's not bad for thirty five. No, I, I don't know. But it's it about went, what they charge. I mean, it's not a, not surprising. But yeah. when in the night, when in that main event, does it become weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> as soon as Ric Flair comes out. <laughs> like like at some point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They really should have titled this paper "United of the Living Dead." Yeah. <laughs> Weekend with Arn, Part Three. I mean, shit. Ric Flair, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. Robert Gibson's eyes are so far apart. <laughs> I don't know how he gets to the ring. <laughs> oh man! All right, so let's let's jump into this, boys. <laughs> our, our top five rivalries of the nineties. Robert Gibson should have a match with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Jeez. That, that could have been a top feud right there. <laughs> oh, man. I actually muted myself to go take a piss, and I almost pissed all over the seat. I was laughing so hard at what you guys are saying. <laughs> Winner has to get their eyes fixed. <laughs> Winner gets a gift certificate to the uh, to get an eye surgery. To lens crafters. Oh God. Oh man. I actually want to. I want to make sure that it is Ricky uh, that he's actually competing in the match because I could swear that he's listed. There's a match somewhere locally that he's listed to be in the corner, but he's not actually in the match, and I'm oh. hoping that that's the case here. Yeah, I think Morton's fighting with his son, uh, and the other guys. The yeah, it's Ricky Morton, it's Ricky Morton and Kerry Morton. So yeah, Robert Gibson's in the corner, so I guess we don't have to worry too much about that. <laughs> He'll be watching both of them at the same time. I was like, I think I thought you walked away and didn't hear what I said. I was gonna say, don't make me repeat it. <laughs> I thought you fell over. I thought, I thought you were. I Oh man! No, all right. I didn't want to. I didn't, I muted myself, and then I was laughing so hard, and I was like, "Oh my god, not now!" If there's a hell, I will, you guys can meet me there because I'm going for sure, <laughs> and I don't and I don't care. All right, good, ready. All right, back. so. Yeah, I know because we we, we 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 don't want to keep people for another three hours as Jason goes through each one of his picks. <laughs> Again, I have to say, I only have five, only five picks. It's yeah, not but a perfect five, Number four, <laughs> subsection three, letter nope. A. Paragraph two. <laughs> nope. All right, so let's start it off. I'll tell you when I was doing my research for this to try to remember all the feuds from from the 90s I was like I was just flabbergasted like there were I, I there was like 30 feuds that came up as I was searching and I was like yeah. damn the the 90s were actually big for rivalries yeah oh yeah so we do want to thank our one fan who did bother responding to our request for any top 5 rivalries and that was our former co-host Stevie G, Stevie who G. said Razor Ramon versus the One Two Three Kid, which I had totally forgot to even consider. So, thank you, Steve. But yeah, which anyway, actually, I, 
at San Diego Comic-Con, the giant figure reveal for the year. That is a set coming out. Razor, um, 90s, 90s Taker, and 123 Kid with the old school raw entrance at Target. So, oh, nice. that'll be coming out. So, who wants to start us off with their number five? How about we? How about we start with Jason, subsection two, paragraph seven of number five. Five point one, five point one point two point three. All right, I'll start it off. I'll start it off. These are my top five in no particular order. Oh, oh, you're gonna give it us all in one shot? No, 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 no. I'm just telling you, they're in no particular order. I like all of these feuds a lot. That's all. And yes, there are so many from the nineties. Um, my number five is Mick Foley and Triple H. Okay. I just thought that information of a character, of two characters. All right, Encyclopedia? Um, I, I try to go with legendary rivalries that, like, spanned a long time. Um, and were memorable in some ways. And this one I actually picked because it's actually spanned across two companies. Uh, and there were other choices that I could have put for number five, so I will preface that with, I'm sure I'm going to get disagreement on this. I went with Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ric Flair. And I, part of it being that it was back and forth. You know, there wasn't one guy necessarily that was dominating the feud like we saw when Hogan versus Flair occurred. Right. You know? All right. So um, my number five, I'll start it off with prefacing that these are just feuds that pulled me in and I enjoyed growing up in the 90s. Um, I wasn't in college like Rob. I was still in elementary school. So Rob was done with college. <laughs> but it's oh funny, you look, you look so much older. What has happened to you? Welcome to life. That's what <laughs> so I'll start it off my number five Hogan Warrior that was one of my beginning feuds remembering watching um, it was early 90s right if I'm not mistaken I'm seeing Encyclopedia's face he's giving me a face there that's because yeah, they literally had two matches yeah there was a bit of a rivalry but you had the one in 90, and then you had the shit show in 98, it, I believe. Yeah. Which was probably Freddie's favorite match of all time. <laughs> the two-plane two mirror in the locker room. But yeah, that that was uh, that was my number five, Hogan Warrior. And Hogan, you know, trying, I, to, Hogan trying to burn Warrior, and he couldn't even get the thing <laughs> night. A lot of feuds I left off the list because I didn't feel like they were rivalries. Like, they didn't have enough matches. And, like, that's one of them. I didn't mm -hmm. feel like it was much of a rivalry because they only had two matches. Right. But, you know, to each his own. I get where you're coming from. Um, and I probably contradicted myself because my number five I put is Randy Savage versus Jake the Snake Roberts. But to me, while it wasn't was an extremely good. long feud, it was an intense feud. And I remember at the time when, when – uh, the snake was was uh, biting Randy Savage's arm. I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe what was going on at that time. 
And this was right before we started getting into kayfabe and all that, like where we all knew it was really fake and there were all the internet and all that. So I, I thought it was a amazingly intense feud. And, you know, you also have to remember what came in that feud. We got a, a fan-favorite Undertaker. Right. So, I mean, it, you know, not only did it was it a great feud, but it turned one of the, you know, a guy you never thought anybody would cheer for. So that's my number five. And there was that, not just the snake bite, there was also that moment at Tuesday in Texas where Jake the Snake actually punched Elizabeth. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it yeah. had it all, right? I mean, it wasn't a, a extremely long feud, but it was intense. Yeah. And they did a lot of things that they that you wouldn't normally see. So that's my number five. Number five. Before Jason goes, Rob, speaking of Taker, his A&E documentary that aired over the weekend was actually really good. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to watch it. Um, very insightful, kind of brings you in. I Not so it. much of a TED Talk like his Hall of Fame speech, but it was good. But again, they didn't break any new ground. It's all stuff that I've heard before. Right. So, Okay. All right, Jason? I, I mean, I thought... No, oh, no, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, that's fine. I, actually, we I think we discussed discussed it last week. I think that this past weekend we did have Goldberg, which yeah. which is good, but... Nothing that mind-blowing. Anyway, yeah, back to the list. Wait, go ahead, Jason. Is that just Goldberg talking about himself? As it seems, any documentary on Yeah, I was going to say, every Goldberg interview? Uh, The one thing I found interesting about it was it almost felt like they were doing the uh, self-destruction of Bret Hart or something, that when he started talking about the injury, and they kept, like, having, slicing him saying stuff over himself and I was like man if I'm Brad I'd be pissed about this editing. He gave it yeah. a 4 out of 10. Alright Reverend your next one. My number 4 is DDP versus the entire NWO. Um, I just thought that was a great story uh, from beginning to end. You know, it was just assumed that they were going to get him to join and that when he just uh, put that diamond cutter on Scott Hall and everybody behind everyone's back and nobody was expecting it, and you know, just the selling of that and the constant chase of trying to get him to convert to NWO and him refusing and then realizing it was him against them and then that brought Sting in from the rafters. It led to that great match, those great that great feud with Macho Man, I, just him versus the NWO was a big thing for WCW, and I loved it in college. And Encyclopedia? Um, mine's kind of, I'll, I'll say mine's not really a true rivalry as far as wrestlers are concerned, but you could argue that this feud involved hundreds of matches on a weekly basis. Um, it's a cop out. It's WWE versus WCW. The Night War. Okay, I like that. That's a good one. Uh, mine kind of follows yep. the line of of Jason. Um, NWO versus Sting. Him constantly coming down from the rafters, going from the the colored face paint to the the crow, and you know the rest is history. That was just classic. Um, it's what WCW needed at the time, an anti-hero to, 
you know, kind of go against the Undertaker that WWE had, and he was so hot. So, yeah, that's my number four. Rob? Um, I'm along the same lines as you guys, but I went a little broader. I went NWO versus WCW. Okay. Um, I'll never forget Kevin Nash taking Rey Mysterio and using him like a lawn dart. As a matter of fact, I was reading Rey Mysterio's autobiography this week, and he mentions that very thing. And that really kicked off the feud. And what's amazing to me is how badly these feuds get messed up. WCW versus WWE, NW versus WCW, they all start, start off hot. And then they lose their momentum somewhere along the way. Like people's egos and like the NWO versus WCW could have been a great feud that lasted like a year. And then they could have petered it out. Instead, they just kept trying to drag it out. And you had NWO red and NWO white and NWO green and, you know, all this other crap. And the LWO. But like the first eight months was probably the greatest. Yep. You know, as soon as they, NWO started getting their own shows and stuff like that, it, it, it was over. Um, and, you know, it ran way longer than it should have, right? It started in, like, 96, and I think and in 2000 we were still talking about the NWO, but now it was Jeff Jarrett and the yeah. Harris brothers and, you know, garbage like <laughs> NWO that. NWO 2000, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, it should have it should have had a... Uh, all great stories have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you find any time they try to extend it, they just don't know how to end it. And that right. was the problem with the NWO. It was a great idea, an outstanding idea. And then they didn't know what to do with it once they found it. So, yeah. but it was great at the time. All right, Jason, your number three. My number three is Mr. Pay-Per-View himself, Rob Van Dam versus Jerry Lynn. Um, that mm. just actually maybe what made me watch ECW at all at that point was their matches and they I'm yeah fair to say they were all all fire matches you know and it ended up closing out the company right on top of it how much faith they had in that feud that's an that's a great choice yeah that's a good one I, I didn't even have that one on mine that was good one. yeah I don't either and I'm like no that's a good one <laughs> yeah I had it as a consideration, but it didn't make my list. But it's a very good choice. You had it as five B, paragraph six. No, 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 no. I'm not chasing. I got like a long list of honorable mentions, but for the sake of keeping the show short, I'm not going to go there. What are these ad hominem attacks on on my list making abilities? I've given you nothing but solid choices, one after the other, one choice at a time. Only because we badgered it, badgered you into it. <laughs> oh, you think I have shame? Is that what you think? I have no look. Shame. We're we're just we we forego going the two thousands rivalry list because then we know Jason's going to pick Booker T versus Triple H, and we'll need three hours just to get through that one. <laughs> you know, just splice in the audio. From that other from that no, last I, want, time. I want a brand new I want a brand new rant. I'm sure you'll come up with a different angle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's next? Encyclopedia, what do you got? Uh, my number three was actually probably some people's number ones. Um, and the reason why it's a number three is because there was 
there was another case, and it's kind of similar to what Rob said. It it kind of ended, but it didn't. It captivated the wrestling world. It brought WWF back on the map. It's it was Austin versus McMahon is my number three. Okay, all right. My number three is Rock versus Austin. That to me was was so memorable at the time. <clears throat> I was a Rocky fan, big surprise. But, um, yeah, throwing the belts in the river and, you know, going against them and the McMahons. And it was it was just really well done. Um, yeah, so that was my number three. My number three is Undertaker versus Mankind. That was good. And not just not just for the you know the hell in the cell. I mean, they had some great. Ma- I mean, Undertaker actually lost a few of those matches, mm-hmm. which he didn't do. Like he he didn't you know, and, he, and he'd lose a singles match here or there. I mean, Mick Foley beat him a couple times, you know. And I thought, um, I don't know. It's one of those one of those things. Like every time to me at the time, every time the Undertaker wrestled, you didn't think he'd lose. But then you're like, but how do you beat a guy who you can't keep down? Right. Right. And I mean, and that Hell in the Cell match is still talked about to this day. Right. I mean, Mick Foley can't walk down the street without somebody talking about it. The Undertaker talks about it. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's wrestling history. It's one of the matches you'll never forget. Right. He, he Our... came across as a real, Mick Foley came across as a real psychopath in that feud. Like, I was convinced that man was gone because that's what he was stabbing himself pulling his hair out like that's that was a freaky character at the time yeah i mean he had he had that awesome match against Shawn michaels and then they never had another match and i could never figure that one out bad blood match yeah i mean that's a great great match i think he's on record as saying it was mind games mind games was it that's mind games I think he said that was one of, uh, fully said that was maybe one of his favorite matches ever. Yeah. All right, number two. Number two. My number two was Rob's number four, I think that was. Uh, Randy Savage and Nick the Snake Roberts. I. That's just one of my favorite, and it's actually my favorite one on the list, That without a doubt. And... I feel like maybe it happened six or seven years ahead of its time. Like, you could have put that in the Attitude Era. You could have put that in the Ruthless Aggression Era. I mean, it it just works at, at, in any time. So good. But you guys said all the good stuff about it already. Alrighty. Um, encyclopedia. Uh, my number two... Uh, involves two guys that were good friends and made better enemies. And no, I'm not talking about Diesel versus Shawn Michaels. And um, the feud got so vicious, it got so personal that you had guys walking out of the company and one was kind of put in the back corner where he was kind of forced out of the company. It's the nicest way to say it. Of course, if you watched uh, WWE Rivals last week, they didn't spin it this way. But anyway... Uh, my number two is Brett the Hitman Hard versus Shawn Michaels. That's a good one. That's actually on my list too. But um, 
I kind of made an adjustment on the fly here. Um, Austin versus Pillman. That you guys don't remember that feud, the whole the gun, yeah, breaking into Pillman's house. Yeah, they didn't that, really have any matches. They didn't really have any matches, but these, the segments. Well, it's because Pillman got hurt, right? That was that was the whole reason, like because he he busted his leg and that's why he couldn't. But I feel that was so memorable to me, like the whole pulling the gun. The shot, the screen going, you know, kind of snow. Like it was, it was so ahead of its time. Um, I had to take off one of the rivalries that I had and add that one onto the list. Okay. My number two, I can't wait to reveal this one because Freddie's going to absolutely love it. It's a feud. And I'll throw out some of the uh, particulars and we'll see if you can guess who it is. All right. Um, we have a young man, we have two young men, one man bullying a younger man in their teenage years. And then they meet up again in a in an organization. And we've got uh, a girlfriend, uh, a fake pregnancy, uh, lesbianism, uh, Dudley boys. Um, thank you, Anthony. Anthony did it. It's, it, Fuck it's that guy. If you haven't guessed, Freddie, it's Raven versus... Yeah. Tommy Dreamer. Fuck him. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. One, maybe. Freddie's going to kick you off the show. <laughs> I know. Maybe one of the greatest rivalries of all time. Because, number one, it was rooted in some kind of truth. Like, there was a backstory. Right. And Raven had le- legitimate, like, in storyline, he had legitimate hate for Tommy Dreamer. And then. They started bringing other pieces. They start bringing in Beulah, and Beulah's Tommy Dreamer's ex-girlfriend, and you know Tommy Dreamer, she gets involved, and then you bring in Stevie Richards, and Stevie Richards, I can do a whole show on him. I think he was hysterical his whole time in, in you know, being the Raven's lackey. Then you start bringing in the Dudley Boys, and then you get the Sandman, and like they, every part of ECW had something to do with um, that feud. And what I found amazing about it was Paul Heyman wanted. Tommy Dreamer to beat Raven and Tommy Dreamer kept refusing he's like the way this feud has to continue is that I keep trying and I get close but I never actually beat him and he, the only time he truly ever beat he's beat him here and there like tag team matches and things like that but their final match Tommy Dreamer finally beat Raven and that feud carried over I, I was I never missed like there's I think on YouTube there's somebody put uh compilation of all of their feud and I think it's like eight hours of footage and you can sit and watch it because it's everything that happened and every time you know every Raven had Brian Lee come in Raven brought in like assassins and he brought in the pit bulls and he brought in all all these different people and Tommy Dreaver you know would have tag teams with with the Sandman and with Dr. Death Steve Williams and he still couldn't no matter who he brought in he couldn't beat Raven and then you have Beulah to turn, and like it, like there were these twists and turns. You never knew what was coming. It's what it's what a, a dream feud is made of because it, it has all the components that you want, and you didn't want it to end. It didn't it didn't ever seem like Tommy Dreamer was ever going to get revenge, and at the end he finally he does. But you got blood guts, 
love. Like I said, lesbianism, which is never a bad thing. Uh, you got all this, these crazy pieces, and that's what makes a perfect feud. And only ECW could get away with it. It never would have flowed, never would have gotten over anywhere else because they broke all the rules. I mean, they got in fights in bars and parking lots and all of it. It was just great. That that ended just that ended right before Raven went to WCW, right? Yeah. But you know, it's funny when he came back to ECW, they picked it up again. They were tag team partners for a while, and then they started feuding again. So I mean, like it, it never—it seemed like it was never going to end. It was like they were going to feud forever. And I imagine if they met now, they might get into a match and, and start over again. All right, so let's let's end out our list. Our number ones, Reverend. Uh, my number one was mentioned already. Um, it's not my favorite, but I felt it was maybe the most impactful, one of the most impactful feuds. It's Austin McMahon. I mean, that I, it defined an era. It, it just really did. And it's it's that every man story. Everybody wanted to beat up their boss at some point. Like, it, it was, it, it, although the reason it might not be my favorite is still takes a backseat to uh, Savage and Jake the Snake is because it was me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. That thing. Like, when you thought it was over, it kept going, but it wasn't the same. It, it's not the same quality as what you were talking about, Rob, with Dreamer and Raven. When you thought it was over, it just kept going. It was more of, oh, I don't know. Okay, I guess it's still going. We'll see what happens next, but then they were able to make it exciting again. So, um, yeah, that's my number one. Psychopedia? Uh, so my number one meant it actually involves someone that I've already mentioned in another feud. Uh, and it was a feud where you had a veteran of the ring really helping somebody not just get to the next level, but cemented them as a main event player and the future of the company. Uh, so mine was my number one is Bret the Hitman Hart against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, one of the greatest matches of all time. Uh, there's debates that it is the greatest match of all time, the I Quit match of WrestleMania 13. And really, without Bret, Austin might have gotten to the main event, but I feel like Bret really gave him a boost to really solidify him as a top player. I don't know that if he he I don't I can't think of anyone else on the roster that also would have had this kind of feud with and gotten there. It's a rare it's a rare uh, switch of allegiances, right? Bret Hart yeah. came went into that the match double turn. as the as a face and left a heel. It doesn't that can't happen. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't can't think of another match where that's well, ever happened. You, you mean when they tried it with Del Rio and Dolph Ziggler it didn't work? Who? It was so close. They were so close though. So close. I mean, it's never been duplicated. No, right. Yeah, I'm so glad that was mentioned at all tonight. I'm, I'm so, I'm... All right, my number one is Brett and Sean. Two of my favorites at the time. You know, that that feud's been beaten to a, to a dead horse with explanations, but it was just... It was great. It had the personal. It had the in-ring. And like Brett said, they could have wrestled once for 10 years or 
every year, and it still would have drawn money. So I think their egos ruined that. I think that could have been possibly the greatest feud of all time. Yeah. But they couldn't get out of each other's way. Yeah. Right. I agree. They couldn't sit down. Like, and I, I, I blame Vince McMahon for a lot of that too. I mean, they, they could have sat down and and locked those two guys in a room and made them iron out their differences, and they could have made money, like you said, for the next ten years. Yeah. And instead, they couldn't get past their personal issues. And I, I, I blame Sean for a lot of it. I think Sean. Oh, yeah. Well, Sean was such a dick Sean at that has, time. But Bret Hart's a hard-headed asshole too. Yeah. You know. It's I mean, kind of knowing both accept that about themselves, that they both they both seem to have that understanding that they really squandered the potential in that feud. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think they like each other. I mean, when they were they showed that special, oh, they were yeah. being cordial, but they don't like each other. Mm. They still yeah. don't like each other. I don't care what they say. Yeah, the animosity you know, seems a lot more on Brett's part, right? Yeah. I- I, I feel like they want to be friends again and like each other, but Brett just can't let it go. Like every yeah. time they showed them in Raw, at Raw and then Beyond the Seas, the hugs just felt so awkward. Like, yeah, let's let's just do it so it looks like we're friends when we're not sure we trust each other. And yeah, never that will. awkward side hug. Anytime, anytime they say let's do it in the ring, that means they don't want to do it for real. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's kind of the same way when I see Rob. It's that it's that awkward hug that I'm not sure I trust this son of a bitch. <laughs> Okay. And that's a perfect segue. Um, <laughs> Rob, you're number one. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, my number one has been mentioned before. It is Austin versus McMahon. And all I'm going to say to add to this is they created a videotape around that feud. How many yeah. other feuds have you seen videotapes? None. It's true. And no one will ever forget Vince McMahon getting hit in the head with a bedpan. Very true. Right. I mean, that's, very, very to true. me, that's like... One of the greatest moments ever. I mean, and when you read that, Vince is like, "You need to hit me with that thing," and Stone Cold was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> like, you didn't have any reservations. Sure. You got he it. Clocked him. It. You know what I mean? Like, you had no problem doing it. Like, I'd be like the same way. You want me to chin the head? Sure, no problem. Sure. So, you know, maybe that explains why Vince is so insane Stupid. now. Stupid. Out yeah. of touch. <laughs> the list goes on Western. and on. Let, let's see the bedpan. I think there was a chair shot thrown in there a few times. Oh, he took a good number of chair shots during that. Uh. All right. That, so that with that being a, said, that, that is that, our. That could be as an excuse. Freddy, Freddy done. Yeah. Freddy's like enough. <laughs> that is our episode <laughs> for the evening. I cheated on all those women because my head's all scrambled from the chair shots. <laughs> CTE, CTE, Lance. From security, is that what we're Freddie, saying now? Freddie, please yes. end the show before Andy that's, does more. That's what it is. Impressions. That is our show, the Sports Frenzy Pod on Twitter, the Sports Frenzy Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Peace.